Today's show is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use the promo code BCPOD to save $5 off your first purchase. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, twerps? This is Matt. I'm coming to you tonight, not even from my wife's closet. I'm not there. I've been, in fact, downgraded. I'm standing in the kitchen of my house, moving out tonight, moving out tomorrow to a new house. And the new house, I'm sad to report, does not even have a closet large enough. So I'm not sure what I'm, where I'm going to be recording in the future. But I, I feel like it'll be mobile. I've got a small interface, i got a laptop, and I, I record into an SM58. The good old classic. I don't think you need more than that. A lot of people ask me, I don't think you need any more than that. In fact, I hope to be able to do it just on a phone or a mobile device in the future. I mean, I guess in a dream world, you know, I'd have a studio. It'd be my own place. It'd be nice. It would have a, a vibe and some vintage gear, and it would look great and be comfortable. But this ain't no dream world. This is reality. So uh, if you're living in a dream world, knock it off. Get with it. And this is my version of encouragement. So what I'm telling you is go make something. Go do something. Go create something. Don't let circumstance be your barrier. Now, if you're on our email list, you probably got a few emails this week because we got a lot of stuff going on. We have the lineup, Volume 2, Electric Summer, out. That's free. Go to badchristian.com forward slash lineup. Download all of that music. It's good stuff. Aaron Linsford's book is out. Oh, yeah, Sherwood. The band Sherwood is now a BC music band. If you remember them, they've been around since 2005 or so. They're on MySpace Records, and they're back with a crowdfunding campaign, and we're releasing their music. That's Dan Koch that's on our podcast a lot. He's also from the band Pacific Gold. His original deal is Sherwood. It's the big time. They're real. I've already heard some of the stuff they're working on. It's incredible. Go support that crowdfunding campaign. The website is backtothesherwood.com. They have a hilarious video they made over there and the details on their campaign. Great stuff. And additionally, don't forget about my favorite band, Emory, on tour in November doing the Question 10-year anniversary tour. You can get tickets, come see us on a VIP set, hang out on our tour bus, whatever. Go to emorymusic.com or emoryvip.com. And lastly, could you go please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on iTunes. It helps us with the charts. It's a big deal. Thanks. All right, Joey, are you ready? Yeah. All right, Matt, are you ready? Why are y'all talking like that? I don't know. I just thought it would be awesome. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Joey, bring it down a little bit. Don't, not too loud. See if I can do this really soft. <laughs> well, is that how you had to do it in a hotel room? I, well, I always wanted to do. Uh, I thought I, I always thought it was cool. Ventriloquists could throw their voice, so I practiced that for a while to try to do that. So that was my attempt at so, soft talking, like you have a little buddy on your side. But yeah, I, I just well, did we're that. in a hotel room, so I'm feeling like I'm picturing the people overhearing what's happening in the. I mean, there's lots of things you can overhear in a hotel room, and I have several times. But this would be a weird thing. To over here, coming from the room beside you. In the oh, hotel. totally. Would it not? Yeah. At first, you'd think, is there some weird Southern sports talk show on in the room on the TV? And then you'd realize, no, it's, this is some. There's, there's people in the next room talking like this. The reason why I love being in a hotel, though, is because we get to watch ESPN and Lifetime and movies and all kinds of stuff because I don't have cable at home. I, all I have is Netflix. Joey, you have cable. Matt, do you have cable? No, just Netflix. Just Netflix. Yeah. I have an ESPN and an HBO login that I don't pay for. 
that I watch. Right. Which is still a ton of TV. I mean, you have yeah, unlimited, plenty of TV. unlimited TV for, for that. And I was thinking about today, though. So we like drinking beer, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think a lot of people like drinking beer. And I read, I was reading an article recently about people don't think they drink as much as they do. And even if they do, they always come on the underside. Like pastors oh, yeah. always say, no matter what, way on the other side, oh, man, there were 700 people there when it was literally like 200. They always err on the <laughs> side of it. Huge numbers. But people, when they drink beer, err on the side of the smaller. And I was thinking after getting to watch cable again here, even at our house, I think that most parents are do the same thing that people do with beer about television and their kids. I think for sure parents go, oh, yeah, we only let our children watch about 30 minutes of TV, maybe right before bed or something like, like that. Like if but, you get asked offhand, like y'all watch right. TV? How, yeah, how, you let your how, kids watch TV? Yeah, uh, yeah probably like, Always probably on like one show, maybe half episode. Yeah, they like Dora the Explorer, you know, Doc McStuffins or whatever. But I think whenever I've gone to people's houses that I know that say, oh, yeah, TV's not that good. Yeah. TV's on a pretty good bit while I'm there, so I can't right. imagine. You know what I mean? And well, that's the same way at my house. It fall, all that falls into a category of something that's just notoriously unreliable on anything, and that's self-reporting. Oh, so self-reporting totally. in itself, if you ever do a study or anything, it's just horrendous data. Because people naturally lie. <laughs> yeah, but here's the problem. It, when you're aware of it, it, it gets it, it, it's a self-perpetuating problem. So, for instance, if a doctor asks you, during your physical, right. how much do you drink? Yeah. Then the, not I mean the doctor is automatically doubling the number you tell them. Because oh, really? the doctor knows that. Same as uh, and it goes and it works the opposite way when a pregnant woman they, they say can I drink alcohol? The doctor says, "Uh, well, you know, and they give you a tone and because they don't want you to go crazy and they say you you can have a, a glass of wine. Right. That literally means you can have more than that because there's no way the doctor would tell you you could have one. And if you were going to ha- not be able to have more, but the, there's no way the doctor could tell. Yeah, it's well, definitely say okay. Supposedly on that, that's just Matt's. No pregnant women out there take Matt as medical knowledge for sure. We don't want <laughs> if a bunch you of pregnant women. I was listening it to that Christian matter, podcast. Whatever it is, the doc, if the if the doctor's going to tell you something, they're going you. They're telling you half. They tell you you can take this much. You can take more than that. That's just the way it is. And if the, if you if that doctor asks you a question of something like smoking or drinking sure. or eating they know that you're going to underreport your answer wait do you really think somebody would listen to this podcast and hear like something matt says medically and be like yeah if there's anything i know it's women and careful women will never listen to me no matter what right so i'm not that worried about them me influencing them because they they know no woman yeah they're not gonna listen to me (laughs) trust me i i have plenty of experience self-report how much tv you let your kids watch i would say Uh, honestly way too much i would say like before school Sometimes, and then I let Ruby sometimes uh, watch, like, play games or watch TV on my phone mm-hmm. on the ride sure. to school. Because um, it's boring, and I think it's cool. But And then, yeah, at night before bed. And there's definitely times where we're aware to turn it off, but probably too much, almost for sure. I'm just going to not be embarrassed about it. I do as, as much as I feel like. Unlimited. Well, my problem... Up, up to 23 and a half hours a day. Oh, my I, God. You know... <laughs> My problem is not the quantity, but quality. We let our kids watch whatever they want to watch. Yeah, no matter what. Like, we don't have any kid filters. Like we Game of Thrones. Everything. R-rated movies and yeah. all that stuff. You got yeah. to, though. They're just, I mean, they're just so smart these days. Well, Rose's favorite movie is Striptease with Demi Moore. <laughs> she just loves that movie. <laughs> Why that one? She just thinks it's It's just great. women empowering. It's the plot, mostly. It's just, but. yeah. It's empowering to women. I think it's a good message. But uh, George's favorite movie, for sure, is Jurassic Park. For she year. loves that movie. Yep. Yeah, the original. Yeah, the original one. So the first day, first time she watched it, she was like, 
just like glued to it because it's a little bit scary, I guess. For yeah. she was, it was right before she turned two, but she would watch the whole thing. And then uh, I woke her up the next morning in bed, and she said, "The dinosaur ate that car." <laughs> Isn't that crazy when you watch that movie? I mean, it came out I think in either ninety two or ninety three, and I remember it being in the theater and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it looks so real!" Now it does not look real. Really? Oh, totally. I, I don't typically think it's good form to disagree, and I like to support each other's points. Go, but I think do that it. movie super ho- holds out. Really? Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. You know what? You might later. be right. Let me, maybe I maybe I'm wrong about that, Joey. But to me, I I, I thought that uh, I'm I'm interested in your point of view. I respect it. But I was thinking how it holds <laughs> up. I watch that movie a lot. Really? No. What it's, specifically do you? It find looks it? computerized. Where now computers are able to make something look not computerized. Mm. In that movie, it looked computerized. The, the number sure. one technology movie that has uh, stood the test of time for me is Nutty Professor. He looked big. <laughs> he looked big for real. That was convincing. <laughs> well, you know, Jurassic movie. Park only has about seven minutes of, uh, at the time, it was the most ever CGI in a movie, amount of screen time of CGI. It was seven minutes total of CGI time in that movie. Which is crazy, and then now you know there's movies where the whole thing is you know the first big one that had tons after that was Independence Day had like so thirty good. minutes of CGI. Now I think movies like Transformers. And What's stuff, CGI? I don't even know what that is. Computer generated imaging. Or okay. I, I'm assuming that's what it stands for. I just said that. I could be wrong about what it stands for, but it's computerized uh, when gotcha. it, when it's digitized on the screen, not actually captured on in the camera. Okay, computers. Speaking of technology and stuff like that, I had this thought. Uh, I guess it's been a couple of weeks now, but um, technology is getting better. And it's like, like y'all are talking about the graphics. And Careful with your claims there. Don't go too bold with your claims. <laughs> I, I always thought CGI stood for crazy good image. Crazy good image. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking about technology and it's supposed to make our life more efficient, right? And it's supposed to make everything faster and move it up. But for me, a lot of times I get, it slows down my life. Facebook is awesome, but I promise you, I will always end up watching some video that doesn't matter at all to my life. I mean, like how to make a fun cake. <laughs> like somehow that gets me and I'll, I will 100% waste my life. You know, this is amazing technology. Somebody sent me something that's instructions. And also, I'm never going to make that cake. I'm never going to do that. But I will sit and watch those things a ton of time. Or like how to make a... Would you uh, watch that? What was the was one I watched? The other day I watched how to make a sword out of like molten iron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to make a molten iron sword. Like, I'm not going to do that, but I watched the whole thing, and it's just crazy. Or like the one I watched, too, there was one that was, <laughs> you know, I don't care about candles. I do not care about candles, but it's this one that made all these, it, they di- kept dipping it and pulling parts off, and it was a really colorful candle. So I get caught in those things all the time. Like, something catches my eye, and I'm watching a five- 10-minute video about something I'm never going to even do. I'm not learning anything. Well, the worst part about that being that Facebook seems to understand the types of things that Toby clicks on and then give Toby more of those stupid things. So, for instance, in, in my life, I see the things that the BC Club Facebook group comes up and I click on them often because I'm tagged in them. Right. And sometimes they're very compelling things that people in that group share, but it completely dominates my feed now because I've yep. clicked into that group so many times, you know? Right. And I got to tell you, Y'all should join the BC Club to get in this group if you like to be irritated and frustrated. Because even our own BC people drive me crazy as much as I see what they're saying and what they when they argue and it drives me insane. But I guess that's the entertainment of it, and I do keep clicking it on it, and it keeps coming up in my feed for sure, for sure. The, the only hey, that, 
Go ahead, Joy. That uh, first of all, who's lounging now, bitch? And then I know you're going to say that. I did it on purpose. I actually did this on purpose. I was sitting here. I was going to say we made you sit in a chair, and so I I scooted down. I was like, Joey's going to be so jealous because I'm lounging right now on the couch, <laughs> and you are. You noticed you're jealous. It. You did look at me. I mean, I wish I was doing that, and you had to make a joke about it. Uh, I can would, sit up now and do my job. Would you have kept watching that? Uh, making a cake if it was for a gay couple like if you were watching it and it was a gay couple that were wanting it actually was and yeah. you kept watching it was erotic yeah erotic yeah it turned cake. into gay cake porn <laughs> really yeah and i i did watch it and i thought it was classy i wow. shouldn't have done it i'm sorry wow. the cake probably is great but it got it got a little weird the worst is when your friend says oh man have you seen this video this is the biggest waste of time in my life you seen this oh my gosh and you sit there and you start watching it and maybe it's good or whatever but then the internet's kind of bad or whatever to watch the signal and it just crashes so you then oh no wait it's gonna reload oh we've got to get to the end the end is so funny and then you just nothing what percentage of things do y'all look at when close friends send it to you almost none not yeah yeah I guess if it's like one of y'all or my brother or definitely Priscilla, like I'll I'll watch. But I mean, once you get further away, like distant friendships and stuff, it's just like I. I can't to me, watch that it's right there's now. a there's definitely messaging fatigue. Etiquette. I have I have messaging fatigue no matter what. So to me, in my brain, I have this inbox is connected to BC. I have a box that filters Emory stuff. I have my text messages. I have Facebook inbox messages on the Break It Down podcast, the BC page, Emory page, all these. What, there's so many ways that people can reach me directly, and yeah. they kind of assume that me or somebody will see them. Right. And the pressure that that feels like to me is relatively crippling. Yeah. And then you have to decide, the like, it, I'm feeling anxious. Did I not respond to my good friend that asked me about a football game or a barbecue, or did I not look and see if, to clear up somebody's question about a VIP ticket in November? I can't, rem- I can't keep that straight. Right. But like, don't you think... You know we- what I mean? Like, I, I know that there's a few things I'm supposed to do if I don't do them right now, but if I do them all right now, I'm constantly in demand of checking boxes and answering questions, and therefore, I, I, you know, it, to me, every task, even if somebody sends me a video to watch, that's somebody piling on another response right. or task like they're telling me to do something and i'm rejecting that so if devin sends me a clip toby sends me clips in a text message with two other people probably not gonna look at it because i feel like that's another demand on my time right now as scary as this is but don't you think we're getting closer and closer into a culture where that's just understood yeah i sent matt an invitation never heard back obviously he's he probably has a hundred text messages and people just understand now if they don't get back and then we're all off the hook because nobody responds to anybody well, i don't feel like well, i mean so first of all, I get, all there's so many messages. stupid things that i forget big things though is, the, is what i'm saying there's yeah. stuff that's very important that i am not accomplishing and whoever you are right now is saying yeah he didn't respond to my whatever sorry right. toby sent me too many videos <laughs> i just i'm lost the, one the cat was awesome though and you did like it <laughs> <laughs> well there's nothing there, here's the problem too every it's just man we've been having this conversation for a while but nothing is real like that's just entertainment on demand or whatever and you can have it there but you're right like it now everything mixes in with your daily life to where you have to actually wade through stuff that might be funny or entertaining to get to the real stuff but you still want to have time for fun and entertaining it used to be you congregate around the water a cooler and you have a quick conversation about something blah, 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 and then you move on back to your job or whatever but now everything's on the internet and all the stuff so people are sending you stuff while you're at work sitting at your desk watching this and then you yeah, got to talk right. about it and you have to respond back ha 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 lol or whatever so you're spending all this time trying to connect with people but also it's 
not it's a little bit detrimental to what you actually need to do and get done. Right, do you, because there's no there's no difference in how I communicate with a client, a business associate, a partner, a right. buddy, my mom. It's all the same. They're all the, right. so so. There's, it's not like, oh, this is my boss calls me on this work phone. It's not that. Right. It all comes in the same way, and I have to really decide and weigh and make choices and ignore this, and that is it's well, devastating to yeah. me. All right. Oh, Joey, would you do us a big favor here and uh, give I some sure love would. to one of our sponsors, Harry's Razors, one of my favorites? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just want to open people's eyes to when you go to Walmart or Target or wherever you go to buy razors. I guarantee you, you have that same feeling that I have. You see the price and you're just like, golly, I have to shave. You think that's one of the leading causes that, that beards are in a trend now because people are trying to save money on yeah. They can't yeah, afford probably. expensive razors at Walmart. Tell me about it. Now, Harry's is the solution to all this. I mean, you can actually get better quality uh, razors for the fraction of a price that you would buy at the store. I mean, these, uh, okay, first of all, Harry's makes their own blades for crying out loud, mm-hmm. and these things are awesome. I shaved my daggum head. I did last night, and I, I shaved my head, and I can shave my head a bunch of times with the same razor blade because it's quality. So, look, when you go to the store, you're going to pay $32 for an eight-pack of blades if they're decent blades. On average, uh, a shaver is going to save $150 using Harry's. And here's the thing is the satisfaction is guaranteed. So what we're going to ask you to do is go to harrys.com. If you go ahead and type in BC Pod as a promo code, they're going to give you $5 off of your first order. Uh, so just go to harrys.com and enter code BC Pod. Uh, get your five dollars off, and I'm telling you, man, start shaving better today. Why? Why wait? I mean, this is this is almost like a gift from us. Go to this Dagum website and order these razors that are less expensive and way better than anything you're going to find in the store. Yesterday, we were talking about when I ran away from home as like a 22 year old man after dropping out of Emory. I drove up the East mm-hmm. Coast, and my mom. There was no possible way she can get in touch with me because I did not have a cell phone. So she could not get in touch with me. In fact, Toby received a letter from me in the mail. (laughs) And has sent snail mail to to Toby and us. To tell him. You left your mom a a paper note too. Right. And I told her, please take care of my stereo and you can have it. And that freaked her out as well. But anyway, so. Why would you say that? I know. Why would you say that? Because that was the only thing I left home were really good speakers. What did you think she's going to do? Walk in your room, start smashing it? Maybe so. So so anyway. Son of a bitch. Toby. Because my mom, my mom says, "Hey, he went north," and that's that's literally all she knew. Because she, she only got info me. from Toby's yeah. snail note that you that you sent him. Right. So my question is, if you could, would you go back to like if you could bring that limited technology stage to 2015? Would you? No, like, would of you course want- not. But there is some de- definite downsides of it. I mean, our dependence on on. The stuff that we have is is pretty scary, but you wouldn't. Ta- I mean, I wouldn't take it back because this podcast and the music that we're able to get out and do weren't possible at that time, really. Yeah. So there was some cooler things about it, but uh, I don't think I would go back. But I mean, that's weird. So how long was it till you talked to your mom? Uh, Did you call I, her in a few days? I ended up calling her in North Carolina, so fairly soon. Yeah, and so she answered the phone. Is like Joey, I am so worried. How do you want me to set your graphic equalizers? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. What was this? This is a weird setup. I guess it's just because you just didn't say anything. But all you did was get in your car that you had done for years, 
going to college and all that stuff. You just drove somewhere. There wasn't really that crazy dangerous or, or any of this wild stuff. But probably because, because of the lack of able uh, you know, technology, she wasn't able to immediately call you on your cell phone or you didn't have GPS or what, all this stuff. So maybe that made it seem worse, but it, it really wasn't that crazy. All you did was get in your car that you had done a million times before and drive a decent distance that you've done a million times before. It wasn't that crazy, but she was probably freaking out because but I never ha- drove to New England by myself. Hang on a second. <laughs> That's not so, that crazy though. Yeah. You drove to Washington <laughs> and stuff. I mean But technology or not, you're gonna tell me when your twenty one, twenty two year old kid that has mental illness leaves you an enigma- enigmatic and uh manic note about how he's going to another region to clear his head and things are weird and you can't get in touch with him that you wouldn't be worried <laughs> i wouldn't i don't think i would now i wouldn't because well, i feel like I here's get what's weird is my, my mom had some sort of intuition like she told my dad as they were coming around the corner it just hit her she said if joey's car is not there he has left for good. What I'm saying is you must have been she, acting weird yeah, as acting it was. Weird. You were giving signals. Well, I'm saying, but that would no, heighten the, the weirdness of no, it. No, what's crazy is I wasn't because I was hanging out with Priscilla for the last four days because Priscilla had visited. So it, it was a crazy... I th- no, my you, mom. Get, you are the worst... At, I mean, you always give signals. You always act like, how did y'all know I was depressed? You yeah. have this, the worst <laughs> ugly face I've ever seen in my life. I and you're not I was ta- covering I mean, it up. Everybody knows what's going on with you. You, you are not hidden. You wear it all on your right I guess on your that's sleeve. Good. I guess it's good. I, can't I mean, your mom wasn't totally surprised. You were probably walking around going, oh, oh. And then she saw the... <laughs> Nope. The, the the stuff you'd gotten in the mail about New Hampshire or whatever the brochures had been coming in for <laughs> for the doing the leave turning and beds and breakfasts and everything. Did your parents get in a fight about that? It was like Virgil, like Barbara, just stop. Yeah, my dad and my brother both told my mom. They said, "Look, if if we were in Joey's shoes, we'd do the same thing." You know, because basically they knew that all of a sudden I felt like I wasn't supposed to go to Seattle and the girl I wanted to be with had no interest in being with me. So right. they're just like, yeah, we'd do the same thing. It's just kind of a... When I think about that decision, I go, well, that was wrong. Joey should have told his parents he could have handled it in a way that would have been beneficial not only to his family, but to us. I mean, you, yeah. left, you left us high and dry. We're, we're getting ready to move across the country. We've talked about this before. You could have handled it better. Yeah. But you would say... For sure, in your point of view, that you you needed to do that just to get out of the, your your head, your environment, all that stuff, and just go somewhere. And that did end up fully, 100%, causing you and Priscilla to get together and make her change her mind about things or whatever, which is hilarious that she would go, uh, I don't know, Joey, if we're supposed to be together. And you do something absurd and crazy. She's like, hell yeah, this dude's tight. <laughs> she just needed to see that crazy flair. But the thing is, what weirds me out about this conversation is, it goes back to what is actually right and wrong when people tell you. Because I, I had family members say, don't, when, like my dad, he said, when you get out to Seattle, don't call me when you need something because you shouldn't be going to Seattle to do this band. <laughs> yeah, you're saying your parents didn't want you to go. Your dad said that. My right. my dad said, you won't go. Right. right. You just will fall They apart. said all the stuff. But that's the, all of them, their own way of projecting, I don't want you to go. Right. right. Joe, your parents were the closest to probably just telling you they didn't want to. Right. My my dad said, don't go and you, you know, you're making a bad decision. Don't call me asking for money when you get stuck out there far away from home or whatever. And I just, for me, if something bad would have happened, then he would have said, see, I'm right. You know what I mean? Like if, if all of our, if my car would have broken down and we didn't have any money and we couldn't find a place to live and we ran out of money quick, all this stuff, he would have said, oh, I was right. Uh-huh. And I say, oh, I'm right because yeah, look, 
Emory. You know, we did you made not it. have the immediate comeback to him of, okay, well, when I'm rich and a rock star and have my own podcast, I won't be buying you a house or sending you checks. <laughs> that would have lit him up for sure. He'd have been mad. I didn't know that. Well, I think to me it's it's a deeper-rooted like underlying faith that despite our mistakes and wrong decisions, God can still bring good out of it. So arguably you could say that I was flat out a hundred percent wrong with getting in my car and leaving and not telling people and all that stuff. And yet God knew I was going to do that stupid shit anyway. And he said, okay, I'll make a lot of good. Like you would have worked it out alternatively the same some other way maybe but, i don't know but yeah but the that problem with that is nobody you would never counsel somebody that way hey listen sure. no matter what yeah it'll be you fine. guys go ahead and split up your marriage god's gonna work it out for sure. good you know what really freaks, Even that could be true you know what really doesn't make any sense in the realm of counseling is most all people showing yet another cognitive bias really do seem to uh put out the i if I could go back, I wouldn't change it. The no regrets philosophy. Oh, yeah. That's almost everybody would say that. And I, I would too. Yeah. Like I've made so many mistakes, but then I go, but it got me here. So, right. and there's some people that are real strong on it, but I'm thinking that isn't really true. There's so many yeah. bad stuff. I mean, there's, there's, that can't be true when you say, I have no regrets. I mean, you've done so many bad things and stupid stuff. I mean, totally. you, you you definitely would go back and change. I don't know if they believe that or if it's true or what that would mean. Like, if that's true so far, you've had no regrets. Does that also mean it's not possible for you to have a regret? I mean, you you just have got it all right. Is that saying you got it all right? Yeah, like, I don't if, think you, if you murdered your wife, I, I mean, mean would you say, <laughs> you know, well, no, I don't know. That's how I got where I am. And then, and then I went to jail. And then well, I that's what I'm saying. The only time you actually think of decision was bad when it when it, it really ended up bad somebody dies you go to jail or something that's when you go but oh yeah this later, was bad but even 30 but, years in the future you'll hear that same guy go but you know no regrets though like people that have been in yeah, felt maybe. convicted felt uh, i don't know there's you some, hear it sometimes. some people did, no no i'm yeah, not yeah. saying everybody right, says yeah, that, right, but you're right, you're right. a lot of mentalities of people who are just i definitely say no let's just take the situation with joey here this is really what are your regrets i mean it would probably be mean to some people I mean, given that, that I mean, scenario, do you think relations and relationships? Relations, you had relations with somebody <laughs> you regret. Relationships that I invested a lot of time in. I mean, uh, it just, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. But, but, all right. Here's here's what's crazy though is I say that, and yet I automatically think that's how I ended up meeting you guys. That's right. And right. My let, wife. let me give you this scenario. In this situation, if your parents would have came home. Sub, uh, uh, un, you didn't know it, and they came home one hour earlier, and they and you just looked at them, and they saw your packed bags or whatever, and you, you just started crying. They're like, "Hey, listen, we're gonna get you some counseling tomorrow. We're going with you, Joey." And, the, and your counselor said, "Hey, you know, listen, I know you're having a broken heart over this girl. I know that you know you don't feel led anymore to go to Seattle. This is and you got the right counseling. He got you right and all this stuff, but you didn't meet Priscilla and all those things. You would go." Even though that was the right way to handle it, would that have been better? Now, yeah. And and then under with your what you say, you say, well, God would have worked it out for good. I'd have met Priscilla still somehow, or uh, we'd have got together still somehow, or this, this, yeah, and this. But I'm be just saying, saying he had no regrets but, now as he lives at home still, listening to his right. stereo, wearing a moomoo, right. and his but parents making this goes cereal. Back to my he point. had no regrets about that. Here, here's where y'all get mad at my Calvinist side. That really means you don't have a, any choice. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You say, oh, yeah, well, I do bad, and then God works it out for good. That means... No, you didn't have any choice either way. You're just doing what you're doing, and God and just leads the way. It later. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, as I mean, far oh, as yeah, you're, God, you're, you know like what? Mentally. God used my craziness when I went north to get my wife. And I, no, you didn't have any choice. That's just what it was going to be. And you think you had this choice to you know sneak off and well, go north? You, but that's the way guys, God did it. How can and you call it a bad decision then? Huh? How can you call saying. it a bad decision? That's what I'm saying. I don't think there is anything the, as a the, bad the, decision. Like it's the thing about free will being an illusion. And then when you say no, no regrets. There are bad decisions for sure. There's things that of course cause you wrong. But I, I in this instance, what? If you look at your story on the outside, it looks like you had no control because what was the right thing was for you to end up with Priscilla. And, and so so regardless of, oh, you were being wrong to us or to your parents, that's what happened. And it it's, worked out. It's all a way of saying it's, it's, it's very reasonable to say that choice is an illusion. Yeah. It just it, You're going to do what you're going to do. If I hit Toby, he's going to react the way he's going to react. He, I, yeah, technically has a choice, but it's going to go down the way it's going to go down. It just, me, almost everything is that way. Well, along these same lines, I disagree with you guys, but along cool. these same lines, um, do you, y'all, I know you would. The Lord ordained it. <laughs> do y'all believe in soulmates, one and only, love of your life? No. 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 No, I don't. Not at all. I battle with that one just because for me specifically, like everything lined up to where I knew Priscilla was my wife. That so did everybody that ever got married yeah. until they got divorced, and then they knew that was the right. Thing I don't to know. Do. They, I, 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 I've heard some people say that when they got married, they then you're the knew only one. It was a mistake. <laughs> that sounds good to no, say. No, they but, say that. They didn't say it the, the next then, day. They didn't then, say it on their honeymoon. Yeah, they I'm said 13, it two years I'm later. Thirteen years okay, in. You okay, don't think I've gone would, through uh, hard uh, times? Let's go one step further. Why did you believe that she was the one for you? Because God ordained it. And you didn't have a say. <laughs> there, you had no choice. She's my wife. Yeah, yeah even I mean, that's or, or, just or, saying you discovered the I mean, thing that's true. That's that you didn't if, decide. If you believe anyway. that no matter what, you have the one. That means you really don't believe in choice. Yeah, you don't. Have, there's even a million, more so, yeah. million folks out there that you could marry or whatever, but you have no choice because I have the one. No, but I believe yeah, that that's I, what you but, just said. But I, but I believe I can say, yeah, I'm not going to marry that one that's oh, right in front of my face. Oh, come oh, who, on. who finds her soulmate and goes, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm in love with this <laughs> or, woman. Or who's the person that's no so way. shitty that they just didn't look hard enough, but it was right next door. I mean, that's it's just it just it's, <laughs> yeah. ma- it's self determining manifest. I, I mean, it just I go, finds, works out the way it works out. I go back and forth because I I saw she, <laughs> I believe in free will. There's no way she's not the one though. I just know. I, I, all right, so here's here's the thing. Just observing how you guys got with your wife, Matt, you were close to. To marrying someone else and you knew that you could not do it and right. we watched that stuff play out and right. then all of a sudden you could not stop thinking about Bridget so right. the same thing in Toby Toby told me right. basically that the first night that he spent with Jessica he told her like everything all of his crap all the bad stuff that he did and he's just like I don't know why I did that I just lost this girl she's never going to want to yeah. be with me what did it do it actually made her want to be with him I mean it's just, just like saying, all this make all this meaning I mean I had a, a crazy relationship a time before that where if I was married to that person today you'd be saying and then that happened did you see how that happened and that was so right. crazy how that worked out and yeah. you'd be making the same case if I'd have done the, the one before it just you just make the story you craft the story sure. out of your details and sure. that's why right. you're I'm allowed to say no regrets that's why you're allowed I'm to say sold she's on my soulmate only, but, and all that stuff but all that points to it, me typically to but, but illusion here, of choice but here, here's another crazy thing to think of though and this this is just where it gets so complicated with God's foreknowledge and all that stuff if God knew that you were going to exist throughout all eternity, he knew, then he knew he had to get your parents together. Same with my parents. Like, if he had a plan for Joey before the beginning of time, then my mom and dad, that was their one and only. If he already plans people's existence Well, beforehand. I mean, just think of it as like a, a 
that's like the somebody writing a movie. Sure, I'm they just saying there's two the ways of looking to get at the it. script to work right. Yeah, well, God's more of a more than a screenwriter, so I mean, it's, it's like a way better movie. <laughs> I agree, but he, I mean, somebody that orchestrates a symphony knows they need to get it back to the original theme. At, I'm just the saying, end, there's two drastic out. ways of looking at it. You can look at it as God has this perfect Jurassic plan, or yeah, Jurassic. All right. That's enough of this talking about how Joey has no choice in life and it's all been ordained, <laughs> which we all know is true. What's our guest? Can we, can we our bring guess? on our guest? Who is it's, it? It's a surprise. Yeah, it's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you better stay tuned, you BC yeah, fools. Yeah, uh, it's my decision that I'm about to make is who our next guest is. <laughs> it's not It's not pre-recorded. It's not pre-ordained. I'm simply going to decide now who our next <laughs> guest is. <laughs> so I decide that we will talk to Michael Sweet of Striper. Yeah, so I'm childhood gonna, hero. I'm going to beckon him and he, we will expect that he's ordained to join us and he and when we get back from this break he'll be here awesome guys there's one thing that i love and um i've always loved it since before i could remember time the thing that yeah, i remember I the thing that i always would remember is how much i love chocolate how much i love fudge and sweets i just i love it and i have found maybe the best place to just hit those cravings. Well, you got me interested, my friend. You are? Yeah, this is way more interesting. Well, you news. know all about it, my friend, because we have partaken of this together. The fudge shop. The fudge shop. Oh, that man. is right. We got a ton of candies from these guys, and it is amazing. Now, here's what I didn't know. This is pretty cool. They were recently on Food Network's show, The Great American Food Finds, which is uh, which featured one of their most popular items, the short stack French toast marshmallow, which mm, I had. That was it, good. Oh, man. gosh. Gosh, it's so good. I just, I mean, here's the thing. You I'm not can, a huge marshmallow fan of this. This was unbelievable. Right. So we opened up the package, and seriously, between my family and your family, within minutes, everything was gone. And that has never happened before. You know, you can go to a store and buy like a one of those uh, boxes full of. Uh, different kind of candies and stuff like that. There's always like, when you open it up the next day, there's always like a few with like one bite taken out of it or something like that. Not with the fudge shop. Every single piece of candy was gone. I mean, the <laughs> chocolate, the fudge, everything is amazing. And they have a ton of stuff. They have chocolate-covered gummy bears. They have almond butter crunch, which is basically like toffee covered in chocolate and roasted almonds. They had handcrafted marshmallows, which is unreal. Saltwater taffy, which I love. I'm from the South. I don't know if that's just a Southern thing, but I love saltwater water taffy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome stuff. So here's what we want you guys to do. We don't want you to miss out because this candy's so good. If you want the best candy in the world, I'm going to go ahead and say it, the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. Go check out the Fudge Shop. That's thefudgeshop.com. And shop is spelled S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. And do that right now. The Fudge Shop is giving Bad Christian listeners a free chocolate bar with any order. All you have to do is add your favorite chocolate bar to the shopping cart and enter the promo code Bad Christian at checkout. Again. Wait a second. So did you just give all of our listeners a free candy bar? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's wow. amazing. One more time. This is all you should want for Christmas. This is all you should want for the holidays. Great gift Coming idea. Up soon. Go right there to thefudgeshop.com and buy any of your friends, buy yourself a gift right there, thefudgeshop.com. Guys, we have a sponsor for this episode that I want to tell you about, one that I really believe in. It's kind of funny. This episode is sponsored by The Bible. Yeah, that's right. The Bible is sponsoring the Bad Christian Podcast. 
I love it. This one specifically is the NIV Bible for Men, made by Zondervan. So, yeah, again, a sponsor I can really get into, and you should too, the Bible. So this one's got 260 weekday readings from young pastors and uh, leaders and stuff like that. And that's the thing about it. The Bible's difficult. There's a lot in it. It's not always that interesting. And if you had to come up with your own interpretations of everything— it can, you know, you can get off a little bit, and that's okay. And something much, much less important than the Word of God is other people's take on it, for sure. However, it's nice to know that the Bible that you're reading has been read by other people that you trust and respect, and they have thoughts on it that could be helpful to you. Now, in this case, Matt Chandler, Shane Claiborne, our friend, Craig Groeschel, and Gabe Lyons have uh, written some readings in these things. So it's a good deal. It's a good Bible. I recommend it. So what they've done here is they have a couple of ways you can read through the whole Bible in 260 days with you know pa- these pastors. And each reading begins with a short, shareable statement that introduces you to that day's uh, topic designed to address the challenges and stuff that you know connect with your life. Uh, for instance, career, sexuality, leadership, pornography, relationships, financial stability, spiritual growth, substance addiction, culture, character, education, self-image, and more. So, yeah, the idea is that the NIV Bible for men will help you apply the Bible to your daily life. So, hopefully, this will become your go-to Bible. It's not a one-time read or an outdated rule book. It's your take with you, dig deep into, see life through, hold fast to, sink your teeth into kind of story. And between the pages, you'll see your story, too. Pick up the new Bible at Zondervan.com today. Man, uh, I Toby got a chuckle out of this because when we got uh, when we arranged this interview with you, I told Toby when I was in the fifth grade, man, I was in the Striper fan club. I had the bandana, <laughs> I had the photographs, I had the signatures, the t-shirts, and all that stuff, man. So, yep. uh, so That's just to get awesome. you wore spandex, yep. <laughs> you put a cucumber in your pants. <laughs> oh man, I, you know I got accused of that. I got accused of that often, and uh, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I never put a cucumber in my pants ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's all. Awesome. So, so just to give our audience kind of a backdrop, those of you that missed the the Striper heyday, which arguably, man, is is still going. I can't wait to talk about the new album. But so we're talking a band that um, I mean sold over 10 million albums and. Uh, Including one of the most successful Christian rock albums ever in 96 Grammy Award nominated uh, to hell with the devil. Um, I mean, just unbelievable what you guys accomplished. I think um, I read at some point you guys had two number one uh, or I'm sorry, two songs in the top 10 MTV uh, playlist. I mean, that's just that's just we did. How'd you guys pull that off, man? How'd y'all break the scene open like that? You know what it was is, uh, you know, obviously, I, I think God really kicked open some doors for us, uh, first and foremost. And then uh, we came from the Hollywood club scene. So yeah. we weren't a band that was raised in the church. We were a band that was raised on the streets of L.A. Uh, who became Christians, yeah. rededicated our lives. So I think that was very out of the ordinary and uh, unorthodox. And then... Uh, we were hard workers, so we were pumping out music and videos. Uh, when other bands were making one video, we were we were making three videos. Or if other bands were making one album, we were making two or an album yeah. and a single. And that's just the way it's always been with us. Same same thing today. I mean, we we released three albums in the past year and a half. You know, actually yeah. past two years. So we like that's to work insane. hard and and get out there and get it done. You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, one thing that I I have like a theory, and I don't want to take anything away from just how flawless to hell with the devil is. But do you think that that name, that the name of that album, just caught on, and just that in itself, people were like, I shit, I got to check that album out, man. Like, <laughs> to hell with the devil. What's that supposed to mean? I mean, do you think that had anything to do with this? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know. especially back then we're talking 1986 right you know and that was a time i think things have changed somewhat people are a little more open-minded but back then it was it was a lot of shock value and we didn't do it for that purpose right but when people heard to hell with the devil they weren't sure what to think they weren't sure (laughs) sure if we were swearing right they weren't sure if we were saying let's go to hell with the devil or yeah. if we were saying to hell with the devil, that's where we're supposed to be. You know? hey, I'll so, you. That's funny. You, let's go to hell with the devil. That'll be yeah. awesome. That, like that would, that's yeah. fine. That could have easily been something for Iron Maiden. Exactly. And, and it was funny because, you know, a lot of people just didn't know what to think or what we were trying to convey or say. And uh, we took a lot of heat, man. And, and you know, uh, we wound up changing the album cover. Because of that heat, we actually had the four angels casting the devil into hell, oh and they were ripping a pentagram from his neck, and we had to change it to an all-black cover because a lot oh. of Christian bookstores wouldn't carry it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That is crazy. And that was in the album days, too. You go in the family yeah. bookstore, and it was like the actual album. Hey, you guys will get a kick out of this. So I remember so clearly, again, this is fourth, fifth grade for me. My mom felt like our family was kind of under attack, like some stuff was going on. And so she said, Joey, get that Striper album and blast to hell with the devil. We are going to play that song. You're kidding. Volume maxed out. And we're going to war. You're kidding. Did it work? You know, I tell you, man, you know what's crazy is if you believe in it, and if you if you put God first and you say God, you know, by your power, it, of course it works. How can it not work? Yeah. You know. Hey, I will say this, and this this is going to sound pretty cheesy and, and sentimental, but growing up in a Pentecostal church and having parents that were like super super, you know, good and protective, but pretty hardcore with monitoring what my brother and I could listen to. I mean, Striper was like a savior. Like, I mean, it was like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, we can listen to this kind of music that we love. And uh, my my parents were actually seen as rebels at our church for allowing us to listen to Striper. Like we had, um, I mean, we had a pastor and you guys had to have gotten this all the time, but people sang stuff and they had no idea what they were talking about. Like from the pulpit, our pastor said, yeah, we have those stripers. So all, all this, all, already doesn't even know the name of the band. Exactly. He, said, he says, you go to the concert, they don't have anything to say about Jesus until they pa- pass the bucket around. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like you guys passed a bucket around and like you guys did not talk about Jesus. But well, my, that's exactly where I came from. Like my, my family, I remember hearing that song, To Hell with the Devil, and yeah. then... My family were like, no, this is bad. Yeah. This, this isn't good. And so I, 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 grew up, I, yeah, I grew up very conservative Christian, like no jewelry, no makeup for females yeah, a, a, or anything like that. So it was really that. That's probably where you got some pushback from on that side, right? Oh, my gosh, we did. And especially when we went through the South, you know, we really took a lot of heat. And it was funny because, you know, we came to know God through Jimmy Swaggart. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, oddly enough, when we would go through the South in certain parts of, you know, his territory, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, his people would come out to our shows with bullhorns and protest and tell people not to go in. 
and oh, we would go boy. out. We would always go out. We'd hear about it. Our tour manager would come and say, hey, they're out there protesting again. And we'd go out, and it was usually Jimmy Swaggart's people. Yeah. And we'd say, hey, look, at, we got a question for you. And they'd say, yeah. And we'd say, have you ever seen the band? And they'd say, no. And we'd say, well, how can you sit out here right. and protest what we do right. when you don't have a clue as to what we do? Yeah. Was and we'd offer of them that? tickets. We'd offer them tickets and say, why don't you come in and see us? Every now and then they would, but for the most part they wouldn't. But it always kind of broke our hearts a little bit because we thought, man, these people are here speaking out against us, and they don't even know what we're doing in there. It's, right. it's crazy. How did y'all deal with the uh, just the unbelievable fame, though? Did, I mean, did you guys struggle on the road? Super young guys, you know, in, in the playing the music that was most popular at the time, girls obviously throwing themselves at you. I mean, how'd y'all handle that? Did y'all have any slip-ups? Well, well, you know what? I tell you, incredibly and miraculously, no. Yeah. Uh, the, the only time that we wound up you know, slipping up. I'm not going to even say almost slipping up, but slipping up because we wound up, we started drinking and we started, uh, you know, allowing girls on the bus and hanging out at the bar and doing this. And that was during the against the law period, which was 1990 to 1992 uh, right. when I left, when I left the band. But prior to that, no, I mean, and we had it all. I mean, we would go backstage I remember vividly as though it was yesterday, it, Tim and I would walk into our dressing room uh, and um, there were there were girls in there that were that were naked. Yeah. And, and we our tour manager, we'd, we'd go and get them and say, dude, you know, we got to go get changed. There are a couple naked girls in there and he'd go in and clear <laughs> them out. And we're thinking we're thinking this is just so weird. Here we are, a Christian band. And we're singing about God. And obviously they didn't hear a word we just said in any of the songs, you know. Uh, but it, we got all that kind of stuff, and and we we did our best to run uh, away from it and to encourage each other to do the right thing, which was to honor our wives, honor our marriages, uh, and honor our kids and our families. And we did, man. We stayed strong until that against the law period, and that's when we started to stumble a little bit. All right, so that came out after In God We Trust, and you said that you you were not in the band at that time? I left in nineteen late uh, ninety one into ninety two is when I left the band. Yeah, and uh, the reason why I left is because I, I felt like a hypocrite. I felt that the band was being hypocritical, and I, I couldn't stand on stage and tell people Jesus is the way anymore, and then you know go out and hit the bar with all the fans and get drunk, and and it, I just felt completely absolutely hypocritical and and the guilt of it was weighing on me and i wanted to change and, and turn my life around and i did and i left yeah was there some relational friction between you and your brother at that point in time oh yeah i mean there yeah. there 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 always has been to a degree because you know i love my brother uh and you know respect him he's my brother but at the same time we're complete polar opposites yeah How you so? know in well, in, in just everything, uh, in the way we conduct business, in the way we uh, live our lives, the way we view things, uh, the music we like, uh, the clothes we wear, the cars we drive. I mean, you name it. Yeah. You, you name it. We're just complete opposites. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, that's the way it is. And uh, I talk about this in my book. I mean, we have different fathers. 
And that's probably a big part of the reason why we're, yeah. we're so opposite. Uh, and, you know, because of that, it's caused some tension over the years. But I think like any brothers out there, whether you're full blood brothers or half blood brothers, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to have that brotherly love, uh, you know, roll up the sleeves and duke it out sometimes. And, and we've done that, you know. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to go back to, just because I've always been interested in this, because we, uh, Matt and I are in a band too. We played around a ton and just uh, have heard so much history from that, like late '80s, early '90s scene in like the LA area and those clubs, like the Troubadour and the Roxy. And we've we've gotten the opportunity to play several of those places. But what was that like, especially since you guys were taking that Christian route? Did like. Were you guys playing with like the, some of the other bands like Guns N' Roses or stuff like that or, or Motley Crue or did you – I mean were you coming across those guys and they were thinking you lame for being a Christian or anything like that? Well, you know what, man? I'll tell you. Back in that period, we weren't really living the life and we weren't proclaiming to be a Christian band. Yeah. Uh, we, we knew of God. Uh, you know, I, I accepted Christ when I was 12 years old. Robert was 15 and then we fell away. And from roughly the age of 13 to the age of 20, I grew up on the streets of L.A., played Troubadour, Whiskey, uh, Gazaris, all these clubs. I used to go down there every weekend practically and play. And, uh, you know, we played with many bands. We played with Rat. Rat was a house band at Gazaris. We were a house band wow. at Gazaris. And then we'd walk. We'd perform our set and walk down the street, uh, you know, to the Whiskey and walk in and, and watch Motley Crue play. Oh my gosh! You that know? sounds like and, a and, really hey. fun time to have been falling away. I know it was cra- it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. And then you know we'd go we'd go from watching Motley Crue and go back to Gazaris and play another set because you had to play three sets each night. Oh my god! And we'd we'd play and then we watch Rat play. They'd play their set and then we'd walk down the street about uh, a half a mile and we'd go to the Troubadour and we'd watch Wasp play. Good. Or I mean, this is how it was on on any Friday or Saturday night. It was insane. I it was just such an incredible time, such an explosive time with hard rock and metal uh, in that area, and that was the place to be. And we were right in the heart of it. So how how did you guys eventually end up separating yourself and and like making a name for yourself? Well, you know, back at that time, we were called Rock's Regime, and uh, we were a trio. Uh, Oz wasn't even in the band. It was just Robert, uh, a guy by the name of Eric Johnson, and myself. I was playing uh, guitar and singing. And uh, eventually we found another guitar player by the name of Ron Perfect, Scott Lane, and then Ron Perfect, and then uh, ultimately and eventually it was Oz. But uh, once Oz was in the band as Rock's Regime, that's when God started really reaching out to us through other friends that had dedicated their lives to God. And, and, you know, we we remember these guys in the world uh, from, you know, drinking with them or, or uh, doing drugs with them or hanging out with them and for all the wrong reasons. And then they're coming into our garage, our rehearsal room, saying to us, guys, we're Christians now. If you dedicate your life and your band to God, he's going to take you places. And, you know, God started knocking on our on our doors at that point in time. I remember standing out in front of Gazari's and um, Arthur Blessed's people would come up to me. And here I, I knew about God and had accepted Christ at one point, And they're telling me, you need to accept Christ. And I'm thinking, well, I've already done that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm not living the life. I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette with Stephen Piercy and drinking a, a mixed drink. And, you know, I'm 16, 17 years old. 
Hey. Wow. So, you know, a lot of stuff went down and God just knocked on our heart's door for a long time. And then eventually we gave in and we said, you know what? Look, we don't want this life anymore. And at an early age, we changed things around and we became a rock band that was focused on delivering the message of Christ through the, the music that we had always played. How did Jimmy Swaggart figure into that? <laughs> well, you know, because we became Christians through Jimmy Swagger. My brother started watching him on TV. Crazy. At a very early age. And then my brother said, hey, I like this guy. You, gotta, you guys got to check this guy out. Mike, watch with me. And then I'd sit and watch with him. And then my sister, and then my mom and my dad. And, and then we'd sit there every Sunday and we'd watch Jimmy Swagger. And after about four, five, six Sundays, right there in front of the television, the five of us <laughs> said the sinner's prayer. Wow. That is amazing. It is amazing. And and we got into a Baptist church locally. Uh, and that's that's the time when, you know, we uh, we went to church for a while, but then we became, uh, you know, uninterested in going to church. And that's when we started playing clubs. And I was I was the ripe old age of 12, almost 13 years old. Wow. That's so I was just I started in the music business when I was really young, man. I, I started playing guitar when I was five and playing on my dad's sessions. He was a, a country rockabilly uh, songwriter and performer, and my mom too. And I used to play on his sessions when I was you know, 10 and 11 years old. So That's crazy. So when you guys were in your you know, peak of your careers, one thing I was interested in, I know these, these names will be totally insignificant to most of our listeners, but were you guys rubbing shoulders with like some of the Christian bands like Bride and Bloodgood and Saint and Holy Soldier and all these guys, or, or were, were y'all kind of separated from that scene? We were really separated from it. I mean, yeah. we, we didn't start rubbing shoulders with, you know, obviously Bride until we toured with Bride in 1990. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's right before we broke up. Uh, and that's the first time we, we had a chance to meet them. But, you know, way back in the day, 1980, 85 and 6, we did a few shows with um, Baron Cross. Oh, wow. Yep. And we did we did some shows with Blood Good and whatnot. But to be honest with you, and it's no slam against those guys at all. Yeah. I totally, totally respect them as people and what they've done. But, you know, we, we, we just – we didn't purposely try to separate ourselves, but we just didn't really fit in yeah. with the contemporary Christian mm -hmm. scene. Yeah. Did that lead just, you? you got, did you guys get to tour with secular bands then? Oh, yeah. That's all we toured with. I mean, we toured with uh, Hurricane. We toured with White Lion. Uh, we toured with Loudness, with TNT. We did shows with Dio, uh, Zebra, Bon Jovi, Poison. I mean, we 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 rarely played with Christian bands. And if I remember correctly, and obviously, I, I mean, I'm just a kid, so I'm obviously not, you know, perceiving everything, uh, you know, anything other than as a little kid would. But it seems like they're just you guys just had credibility there. Like people are like, yeah, this is different because they're singing about Jesus, but there was no. Ah, this is kind of illegitimate. I mean, do, do you feel like that's a uh, accurate picture of the scenario you guys are in? I do, and I think the reason why is we grew up in that scene. Like, you know, yeah. Motley Crue, Motley Crue knew who we were before we were Striper. Yeah, you know, or, or at least or at least some of the guys did. I don't know that they all did, but yeah. uh, Rat Rat knew who we were before we were Striper, and, and you know, I, we were buddies with all these bands and and hung out with them and and saw them, and our paths crossed many times. Then we became Christians, 
changed the name of the band and they all knew who we were and they know who we are to this day and they think back oh yeah man they were rock regime I, we used to hang out with those guys metallica we did a show with metallica way back in the day oh man that's awesome <laughs> we were, lord when what, we were what rock year regime. was that was that like when was that, that was early metallica? dude that was like 1983 oh my gosh that's awesome all yeah, right so just way back. just just for my interest, I mean, because I, like I said, man, I grew up listening to Striper. So when did uh, Timothy Gaines and Oz Fox join you guys? Was that post-Christian, like when y'all became Christians? Was that when they joined? Oz was pre-Christian. So in other okay. words, we, we and Oz was raised in a Christian family. His mom was yeah. a Pentecostal, uh, God-fearing woman, went to church every Sunday. And by the way, that's the most badass name for any metal guitarist ever, Oz Fox. I mean, you just don't get any cooler than that. <laughs> well, I tell you, man, you know, Oz, Oz got the nickname in high school, Ozzy, and he'd shorten it to Oz because <laughs> he would play Black Sabbath songs with his band sometimes, and he sounded like Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, and then the name, the name Fox came about. His real name is Martinez, Richard Martinez. And the name Fox came along because he came over to our house one day and he said, man, I want, a, I want a different name, a different last name. And literally, we were going through the, uh, in, uh, the yellow pages. Yeah. And, and I said, dude, just, just you know, throw open a page, just put our finger down. And we did that a couple times. And then I put my finger down and we opened our eyes and it was Fox. <laughs> and, and he goes, yeah, yeah, okay, I like that. And that was it. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, That's it was awesome. Oz Fox. And Oz was in the band – before we rededicated our lives, uh, God was tugging on his heart, too. And then Tim uh, joined the band when we, the three of us, Oz, Robert, and myself, decided we wanted to dedicate the band to Christ. Yeah. And Tim, Tim joined the band. He had left his band, Stormer, because he became a Christian. Yeah. And his Where, dad was a minister. His dad was a minister, and he, he left. And literally, when he left the band, we called him. He came down, and he joined our band because we were all wanting to do the same thing. Yeah. So your your follow up to to Hell with the Devil and God We Trust um, was I, I don't think was near as successful. Were you guys surprised um, about that, or, or or would you disagree with that statement? Uh, yeah, it wasn't as successful. I don't know if I'd say near successful. I mean, it certainly okay. was successful. It's still still our second uh, most uh, popular and biggest selling album. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Uh, In God We Trust. To Hell being the first. Uh, it, to Hell, I want to say, is it, it, it's probably almost at, in the 5 million range. That, that's not certified. Yeah. It's, it's certified as being platinum, but it's not certified because the label – closed their doors and, and went bankrupt but it's it's sold a lot in god we trust is probably half of that yeah uh and oh, yeah. The, that's, the, that's, that's pretty successful <laughs> no it is it's very successful it did very well it certainly wasn't as successful uh and then the the third most successful album would be soldiers under command now that was after yellow and black attack correct Th that was after that was our second album our sophomore release that's right gotcha Gotcha. And when you were so, you, I mean, you you guys are young dudes, and then all of a sudden, like you you rededicate your life to Christ, and it just blows up. And like you said, I mean, it just seems obvious that it would be just to, like just being a normal dude without any of the fame or being a rock star or whatever. It's it's hard enough to to live for Christ or whatever. But the the question I have is, what what where were you? Was was it was that like a dark, sad moment when you were like, "Hey, I got." Because I, I mean, you, you you said you quit what, like nineteen ninety, nineteen ninety one. You're at one of the heights of your 
fame? I mean, what what were you going to do? And like money wise, were you was that like that had to be so hard to walk away, right? Well, you know what, man? Honestly, I didn't think about it, and you know that was at a time where we certainly weren't rock bottom, but you know we were into you know the nineties, yeah, and Nirvana had come on the scene. And music was changing radically. And a lot of the bands that were from our genre and our era were certainly not doing as good and, and struggling yeah. and whatnot. And that's not why I left. And I didn't really care. I just I made a decision to leave based on what was going on in our band and because of the hypocrisy. I didn't like it. I didn't like how we were standing on stage saying Jesus is the way. And then right after the show, going to the bar and getting drunk with everybody. Yeah, yeah. But what and, was and your plan that, to support yourself or make money? Or I mean, what, even after maybe not right when you quit, but over the next six months, year, what happened then? Well, I, I do want to stress that that wasn't something we were doing throughout the history of Striper. It was only during that against the law period. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't really care about I didn't think about money. I didn't care about money. I just was trying to follow God's will upon my life. And I felt like he definitely wanted me to step down and step out of Striper. Uh, when I first left the band – there wasn't a lot going on. Uh, you know, I went and did some demos and, uh, you know, talked to some management companies and labels and this, that, but I didn't really pursue it heavily. And then eventually I wound up doing a deal with a label called Benson Records. Yeah. I remember that. And I did the first Michael Sweet solo album and that got released in 1994. Nice. And you know, what's funny about that. It, it, it's really funny because. Against the Law sold about a hundred thousand copies uh, within the first few months of its release, which you yeah, know compared to compared to In God Into Hell, it was really not successful at all. Ex explain to people what uh, the basis of that title, if you don't mind. Well, the the basis of that title and the meaning behind it was we're against man's laws. We're and gotcha. not the not the the actual laws of you know our local police departments or anything like that, or our states. We were talking about the laws and regulations that many people try to put on you. Like, for example, uh, you know, you go to some churches and, and the minute you become a member of the church, they say, you have to stop drinking. You know, you're a Christian yeah. now, you're a believer. Well, I don't believe in that. Right. right. I, I think that's BS. I think that's between you and God. If you're an alcoholic and you're struggling, it's a weakness of yours, I get it. But if you want to enjoy a beer or a glass of wine, that's between you and God. Yeah. You know, and to me, that's a law. That's a regulation that man is trying to put down because it says nowhere in the Bible that I can find that when you become a Christian, you can't ever taste or, or, or take a drink of alcohol ever again. Uh, so that album was based on, look, we're against the laws that the church tries to put up on people and guilt uh, people with. But we're for God's laws and God's regulations, which are all in the Bible. Yep. You know, uh, so people, that, that, that's so interesting, too, it, that I, I guarantee you, like, you have to explain that when you're a Christian band. If you guys weren't a Christian band, everybody go, cool, man. Oh, yeah. Sweet title. Yeah. I, wasn't, the I wasn't allowed to but, listen to that But because, that's why I asked. because you're a Christian, <laughs> you have to give this big declaration of, wait a minute, I believe in Jesus. This is <laughs> yeah. what I mean. But, but I mean, a non-Christian band can write that. And, then, and if they just happen to say, yeah, Jesus is kind of cool, uh, they're heroes for Christ. But <laughs> and you know what? And, and, dude, what you're saying is, like, welcome to our world. Yeah. Lost him. Uh-oh. Dang it. Get him back. He's coming back. Michael, Michael.
All right, I'm going to soon get into the... Hey, guys. All right, Michael is back, right? Sweet. I'm back, guys. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what's going on. I got, I got a good connection here, but to no, answer okay. your question, to answer your question, it's like, welcome to our world. I mean, we, no matter what we do or how we do it or say it, we get those people that come out of the woodwork and, and question what we're doing and how we're doing yeah. it, and it, it's never changed. And that goes for the to hell with the devil and God we trust. How can you say that? That's on money. Are you worshiping money? Uh, <laughs> the the, the all-seeing eye, the is pyramid awesome. is on there. Are you guys Illuminati? I mean, it's <laughs> oh, crazy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, hey, I was telling Toby before uh, joining this call, I said, Toby, I promise you, the church I went to, this lady knew that my brother and I were big Striper fans, and she she kind of brought us together. And she had this real quiet voice, and then she brought some of the other kids in the youth group together. And she said, "I just want to let you know." He's, she said, "Those guys in Striper, they talk about Jesus. They they preach a gospel. They talk about Bibles. They, you know, all this stuff." She's like, and then they go into their locker rooms and have sex with teenagers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. So I, I, I would assume if someone says that, it's funny because if someone came up to me and said that, I would say I would look her in the eye and I'd say, so you were there? You, you actually exactly. saw this. Wow. Right. right. And plus, how about this? There are people in her church doing that. Why exactly. would you pick out the person that's just trying to be artistic and write music? Wow. What, right. Why would being artistic and writing music and just exploring your faith and talking about God or what God means to you and all that stuff, why would that immediately you have to either look like a pastor from the pulpit and make sure you hit the big sins and say you're how hard you are against them yeah. as opposed to everybody yeah. else? That standard is just ridiculous yeah. that people are and, held And to. we laugh, but it's actually pretty depressing. But, but let's think it about is this depressing. Way. Think about it this way. Let's make more of a – I mean, maybe that's something that needs to be combated, maybe even a little bit more actively. So, I mean, what what is the way that you can combat that? Because whenever you start building up things like fear or somebody plays the trumpet, card of spirituality it's like everybody has to keep pace with it so i think the biggest thing we do is we probably should do a lot less explaining when people pose those questions about against right. the law just go yeah i don't know absolutely and just, you know, know. You the think only way in the only to way co- to combat it the only way to combat it is to say to people like that come out and go come travel with us for yeah. Come, yeah. come out on our tour bus for a week and then you you go away and you tell me what we're doing but you don't yeah. have to explain yourself, is what I'm saying. You don't have no, to. No, we just don't. don't. We don't. Like it's not unchristian to not manage people's perceptions of you. That's not wrong. It's not a non-Christian thing to do to allow somebody to have a wrong impression of you. So just to some degree, we just go, okay. If you want to think that, I don't care. Like I'm not well, going to. Well, the problem to with that it. is though, it just makes me too mad. I have to at least. <laughs> I, I know that's being simple, but like going back to his story earlier, yeah. what people don't understand is when you're in a band. People sometimes do treat you differently. Like like he said, there would be girls that were naked in their green room, right? They didn't ask for them. They didn't do anything. That just happened. We were on, we were hanging out after a show, and all the bands came over to our bus, and were hanging on our bus. And we just were playing music and just dancing, have, drinking some beer, having a good time. Everything was totally fine. All of a sudden, one of the girls just takes her tops off. Right. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm, stuff yeah, stuff yeah, like that happens. Yeah, and we didn't, I mean, so the options are, now what everybody else thinks is, oh my gosh, look at the debauchery, that's so terrible. We asked her to leave. We said, hey, listen, we can't do that. Look, come exactly. On, okay. Not a big deal. And so one thing that I, uh, one thing that really does bother me is, if other people were in that situation, how many people 
Do you know how many dudes, just raw dudes, do you know that if they knew there was two naked chicks in a green room would go, yeah, hey, get them out of here. Like, I mean, actually, some of the things that we end up doing are honorable, but it, but because of the event that happened, it's looked as terrible. You know what I mean? Like, I know, exactly. And well, here's, here's another thing, too, to, to look at. And, and I'm telling you right now, probably five out of ten, maybe even six or seven out of ten, the people that are coming against you, like, for example, Jimmy Swaggart's ministries were coming against Striper for a long time saying they're wolves in sheep's clothing, don't support them, they're this and that. Well, a few years after that, what was Jimmy busted for? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, um, so here's, here's my point on that. Everybody's sinful. You know, and if we would all worry about our own sins and deal with our own sins first— then maybe we might find the time, but probably not, to worry about other people's sins, okay? But people don't look at themselves and deal with themselves first. Right, right. And that's, that's something that always irritates me because here's Jimmy putting all this effort into trying to expose us when he's, you know, out driving around wherever picking up prostitutes. And, and while he was talking about you guys, he was doing that. Yeah, Ex- exactly. Well, the, exactly. The problem there and, is, you know, policing. like for example, Jared. I mean, this guy Jared that was just busted. He's got to oh, go to prison gosh. for child porn. It's like, who would have thought that this sweet talking, you know, fun loving, nice guy lost all this weight? What a great spokesman! So you would never have thought that that was going on in his life, right? right. But my point is this: if people would just stop worrying about everybody else. And start worrying about what's in their closet, and our closets all need cleaning out. Oh man, yeah, we've all got stuff going on in our hearts, in our private lives, behind the doors that no one else sees. We've all got it. And if if anyone's going to tell me that they don't, they're a liar. Yeah, and and that's the stuff that we all need to worry about and concern ourselves with. Get right with God first, then see what God does with others through that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But there's two versions of it. There's the one where you're saying what people are doing and judging them like overtly, right? That was the common one, and it's right. You know, that's pretty distasteful. But here's the one that's I think insidious in another way is the one where you're c- continually managing uh, and trying to prevent other people from doing stuff and policing yeah. them preemptively. Yeah. And you're telling them you can't do this, you better not do this because this, 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 and this. And so you're well, you like know, that's, that's almost worse. Totally. And that's going to be something that they're going to stand before. If they're calling themselves a Christian, and they are a Christian, they put their faith in God in their heart of hearts, they're going to stand before God for that stuff. Yeah. And he's uh-huh. going to deal with it. He's going to deal with it, and they're going to have to answer. We're all going to have to answer for what we do or don't do that's that's uh, not in line with, with what God calls us to do. So, you know, there's there's a judgment day, and it's coming, and, and, and not to be doom and gloom, but that's just – those are the facts, and those people are going to have to answer for that stuff. Yeah, I think people too quickly just – they see something. Also, no matter what, I mean – it was so funny. Like my church, I grew up super charismatic. My grandfather was a pastor. I mean, it was just everything. Don't, it, I, I've said this a million times, but it was always don't, 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 don't. You're going yeah. to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. <laughs> so eventually I was like, man, I guess I'm going to hell. Fine then. Uh, who cares anymore? But I just, I, I really, there is a real fear. And like you guys experienced it firsthand, a real fear of, 
hey, we're doing something nobody else is doing, and we're just out here and just figuring it out. Just give us some space. We're going to get some shit wrong. We're going to get some yeah, stuff right. Yeah. And let's just, hold on, just give us some space to figure it out. We're not saying we're the best people, but, I mean, we did something. We're doing something that is uh, big, and, and, and I just think that's, that is really the, the thing. That, that's what's going to even drive the future, especially, I even think, of Christianity. With the Internet and with so much stuff happening now, faster and faster and faster, I think you guys are a prime example of the, the future is it's going to jump up on you and there's a Christian that is doing something that nobody else is doing, and do we just obliterate them and just say, oh, wait, no, that's evil? You know what I mean? Like, we have to really take a breath and not do that. Yeah. Exactly. And you know something? Look, for all the naysayers out there, the striper naysayers that have said striper's this and that, or they're not this or they're not that, and come against us year after year, look, you can't deny this. We're still here. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, we're still here. We're still doing it. Uh, there's still a calling on this band. There's still an anointing on this band. We're still making music. Doors are still opening. We, we'll go to Jakarta, Indonesia, and play to ten thousand Muslims. And <laughs> awesome. you know, I mean, we're we're blown away. I mean, the opportunities are endless, and God's still doing incredible things. And what are you going to say to that? Right, right. Well, hey, uh, guys, if y'all want to hear more of the Striper story and more about Michael Sweet, he's got a book out called Honestly. My life and striper revealed. I mean, get the book uh, only if I mean, even if it's just for the cover. I mean, this is like the best looking dude I think I've ever seen. <laughs> but hey, uh, oh. tell us about Fallen, man. or Toby. You want to say something? Well, I well you you can go, but I, I kind of wanted to take another route. Something that struck me that you said, and and I would love to know. We we have so many bands that write people in bands that write us and just ask us this stuff. And something you said that really struck me is how hard you guys have worked. Like like yeah. where. Where did that come from? And when, when you say that work ethic, like what, what drove you to do that? Well, I tell you, man, look, my, my brother uh, has always been a hard worker. He was the guy that was always painting uh, the walls and his drum kits and making the clothes and taping the mic stands and, you know, always the visual side of things. And then I was the guy that was always sitting and writing the songs. You know, Oz and Rob would go work at their job at Intej and, and, and they'd come home and I'd have two or three songs ready to teach them. Uh, and we're hard workers. I mean, we, we, we work hard, we tour hard, we write hard, we play hard. And I, I, that's never stopped. I mean, I'm personally uh, an OCD guy. I'm an ADHD guy. Uh, and I joke about it a lot. Sometimes it's not so funny, but I think that helps me to be so driven in who I am today. Yeah. Uh, who I was then. I mean, I really hyper focus on music, man. And, and that's never going to go away. I don't think until I take my last breath. So yeah. uh, we just we love what we do. We're passionate about it and we work hard because of it. Uh, like have there been like people that you modeled uh, your plans for this? Because I mean, a lot of people don't understand, like really starting a band is like starting a business, like a startup. You just you, you have to work all the time. You have to teach people things. You have to share the vision. You have to get the other folks on board with you and build that up. Were there other people at the time that were doing things that you were trying to model after or books you were reading or anything like that that was really influential into your guy's success? Not really, man. I mean, when I was a young kid, that's when it began. And I just remember, you know, uh, when I was a little kid, I mean an infant, uh, I would sit on the couch and rock back and forth and make up lyrics my mom and dad called it bopping, B-O-P-P-I-N-G. And <laughs> I used to do that when I was this little kid. There was always a song in my head. And then when I got a little older, I started playing guitar and started writing songs. Um, 
my brother was real visual. He loved Kiss and all these bands, and he'd come home and start making costumes and, you know, real uh, adventurous from that side and that point of view. And then I was the music guy. So the two of us together were a tag team, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That complementary skill is a big part of it. I bet also, from anything I'm gathering, you must have very encouraging, empowering parents. At least I'm picking up on that, right? Absolutely. I mean, my parents are very musical, always were. We grew up in a musical family. Every house we had, they always gave us the garage. And they parked their cars out in front, and we we soundproofed it and set up our gear in there and rehearsed in there. And, uh, you know, we rehearsed till 1 a.m. and 2 a.m., and they'd have to put up with that. The wall's shaking. And um, they always encouraged us and still do. So that's that's a big part of it, absolutely. One thing that I wanted to ask uh, that we didn't get to was what was – and you mentioned earlier, what was your point of view on Nirvana and the grunge revolution coming in there in 90, 92 91 is when Nevermind well, came I, out. Well, I loved it, man. I, I, I accepted it with open arms, and the reason why I did is because it was good. You know, I, I heard Teen Spirit, and I thought, this is good. I like this, man. And mm-hmm. I went out and bought the album, the CD, and I remember the guys coming in. We were getting ready to start some rehearsing and work on a new album. Little did they know at that time that I was considering leaving. I just hadn't made the call yet. Uh, but we were going to start rehearsals, and I was blasting the Nirvana CD at, at the rehearsal place. And I said, guys, check this out. What do you think of this? And I remember them all kind of like sneering and yeah. like, eh, eh, it's okay, you know, and, and I loved it. <laughs> there was people in your scene that were that didn't like it. It was an undercurrent of people that were irritated about it or thought it was stupid kind of music or threatened by it. Well, I just remember at the time, the guys in the band, Tim, Oz, and Rob, you know, they, they didn't seem too excited about it when I was playing it. But but I loved it. I accepted it. And I think that really helped me as a writer to kind of branch out and down the road with an album I did called Truth. You know, I got a little bit more, I don't want to say alternative, but definitely a little bit more uh, modernized. Yeah. In, in the music department. And then you, you fast forward to the album Reborn and Murder by Pride and even No More Hell to Pay and Fallen. There's some modern flavors on there. Uh, and the reason why you hear that stuff is because of a lot of the bands that I listen to. You know, I love Muse. Um, love Muse. And, and you know, I, I listen to a lot of the modern stuff and, and I appreciate it. And, and I'm not stuck in the 80s. I don't just yeah. listen to bands from the 80s, you know. Yeah, totally. Well, can, can I ask one more question? Technically, I'm a lead singer of our band too. The thing that's always got me—I mean, man, your voice is amazing and powerful, and you sing so high. And singers ask me all the time, "How do you like our, our band? Uh, we do—I I sing and do some screaming stuff as well. But what? How did you keep your voice? Uh, I, I mean, because I'm imagining back back then, late '80s, early '90s, and stuff. You were just probably some of the tours were just unbelievable, like playing every single day. And sometimes playing for an hour or more, maybe two hours or something like that. How would you keep your voice so so strong and clear and and awesome? He gone. <laughs> he gone. He's a super cool dude, man. Oh, he's really cool. I, I just I think I mean he sings so hot. I mean it's so high. How can you sing like that all the time? I mean, Matt will tell you, I, I have complained over and over and over and over about my voice, and we do like a 45-minute set. Yeah. <laughs> so how in, the world can you, how in the world can you sing so high and intense 
and so well. And he's playing guitar too. And I mean, just a killer musician. But just to be able to do that is—is yeah. is he back on? No, I'm not, not sure. Toby, you're doing good of trying to uh, talk through that because if it worked, it would be great. But it's okay if I. Hey guys, I'm I'm back. No problem, Michael. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. Got it. Did, did you hear my question though? Because I, I I did, I, I did. How did I keep my voice, uh, you know, high and intense? I've, and I've keep complained going. for years. We only play for like 45 minutes sometimes, and I'll still complain. And your voice sounds so, so it still sounds great. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, there's there's a few things. Um, I have a very odd voice. I've got a couple of things that work against me. That one is a post nasal drip. I'm always clearing my throat, uh, and it, it doesn't help me at all. And then the other thing I have is reflux. Oh yeah, and uh, that doesn't help me at all. I take meds for that. But you know, I've always been one of those singers where I'll go out in the first few songs. I'm a little shaky, and my voice is not. And then as I go out through the set, where most singers might get weaker as they go. They come out strong and get weaker. I'm the opposite. I come out weak and get stronger. So by the end of the set, I'm feeling like, hey, let's start the set over again, you know? Uh, and that's an hour and a half set usually. Uh, these days, I, my secret these days is basically if if I wear a size 29 or 30 waist, I just buy pants that are like a 27 or a 26. <laughs> and then I can I can hit those notes, man. It's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. I've just always been amazed by that, though, because especially, uh, I mean, just hearing some of the touring schedules back in the day, man, were just bands. It was brutal. Like you'd pull, some, some, sometimes you, what, like, what was the, was it, was it Rat or Wasp or whatever that did like a unbelievable hundreds and hundreds of shows? They play in, at a festival and then go play a club that night, and I'm just like, how can you do it? Like that is, I insane. know, man. It was Jack. It is, and we did, we did Jackal, that. Yeah. We did that. I mean, we we played relentlessly i mean we we would go out and play like the to hell with the devil tour for example we were out for six months straight and playing four in a row five in a row it was absolutely insane and uh you know we just did it occasionally i'd get sick and we'd have to cancel a few shows here and there but for the most part we we got through it it was just crazy that's awesome. So Fallen is coming out. Looks like mid October. People can actually buy a couple songs already. I'll say this, man. Like uh, the the whole metal scene. Like typically, I will listen to it to reminisce and be like, "Oh man, those were some good old days." I I listened to this album because uh, thank you, thank you guys very much for sending us a copy. And I I found found myself actually being like, "This is kick ass, man!" Like I I'm listening listening to this because i'm enjoying it like yeah. i love the songwriting it's like super catchy and all that stuff so man this is this is really a great album for yeah, sure yeah you guys definitely well, thank lost you man edge. you definitely haven't lost well, i'm so happy edge, to hear that buddy well dude i'm i'm happy to hear that and i tell you we we really go out of our way to keep that edge i mean and, and what i mean by that is if we're in the studio and something's not good enough we'll make it good enough you know yeah there's never you know it's not in our vocabulary vocabulary the words good enough it, right. it, it we ne- we, we want to make it better and we want to outdo each album with with the new album and that's our goal and hopefully we're going to keep doing that i really think fallen is as good or maybe even a little better than the last album yep. and i want the next album to be better than fallen yeah so it, there's no way of getting around the fact that i mean y'all's demographic people that are buying this album are folks that used to listen to that music right or or do y'all find 
maybe people come to the shows are like, man, I've never heard of this kind of music. This is awesome. I mean, how's that? Well, work out? you know, it's it's both, man. I mean, for the most part, it's people that are fans from the past, and you know, they're still fans. But I mean, there's a lot of new fans and, and young fans. Yeah, you know, because I always ask the question every single show: How many people have seen Striper? And the hands go up. Yeah, and you know, maybe ten years ago, most of the hands were were yes, we've seen Striper, but now, more so than not, most of the hands are the question: How many people have not seen Striper? And the hands go up. So there's a lot of new fans coming to the shows now. That's cool, man. Are the shows? Are the, how 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 does it feel to do the shows after all these years? Are you still just as excited? Is it tougher? Is it like because for us we like we started back in like two thousand one, and now we're here. And sometimes the shows, I'm like, man, we play some of the old songs and stuff, and I'm like, okay, we played this a bunch or whatever. But is the excitement still there? The band, like you, you like, is everything cool with you guys now? And you're all on the same page. It's still there. The excitement's still there, but I mean, I'd be a liar to say that it was, you know, it's perfect. And and we go out every night with that same level of excitement as we had back in the day. That's just not true. I mean, sometimes we do, but sometimes we feel like we're going through the motions or we're not feeling up to par or we're, you know, our backs are hurting us or whatever. We're not getting any younger. Right. That's for sure. But, But we try to take care of ourselves. I think we're in good shape for our age. Uh, and I think we've aged somewhat well. Uh, you know, we didn't abuse substances and, and booze and drugs and all that stuff. And I think that shows. And, and, and we're still we still feel somewhat in our prime. That's for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. When is your uh, you got any shows to promote or, or a tour coming up or anything else that we can promote for you? Well, we got a show coming up, uh, Anaheim House of Blues, nice. and that's that's in September. I I think I want to say it's September 12th. I think it is. So is there, do you guys, um, uh, and then we're, announce- go ahead. Uh, and then we're doing a couple of videos. We're shooting a couple of videos out there for the new album. Uh, we're shooting a video for the song pride and another one for the song all over again. The album comes out October 16th. And then I, I'm going to do a solo album. I start recording in November. Uh, I got Will Hunt drumming. He plays for Evanescence and uh, black label on drums and then i'm looking for a bass player right now I'm, I'm really hoping i can i can get with this guy todd kearns who plays with slash uh and, and a number of other bands really talented cool. singer bass player i'm doing another sweet and lynch album uh february of next year we're gonna start on that and then i've got striper touring throughout the year and then later on in the year i'm doing a project with joel holkstra uh, Robbie Crane and Troy Lucetta, and that's going to be like another supergroup kind of project. So there's a lot of stuff going on, man. I'm I'm really blessed to still be doing music. It's crazy. What's the best What's the best way people can keep up with all that stuff? Like following you on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, or what? Yeah, totally. Twitter. T- uh, it's Twitter uh, forward slash Michael uh, Michael Sweet Striper, and okay. then my face my Facebook is the Michael Sweet. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm on it every day. I try to keep people up up to date. I'm real good about that. And it's me. It's, I don't have a secretary doing that. Yeah. Uh, I can always tell when I follow someone on Twitter or Facebook, if it's really them or not, you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really me. I, I, I put a lot of time into it, man. I, I love the fans. I love, uh, you know, engaging with the fans. 
Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us, dude. This was a great interview. Yeah, I really appreciate a, all the all the stories and all this stuff. It was really fun. It was an honor, man. Hey, you, you meant a lot to my childhood, man, so I appreciate it. It's really cool to talk hey, to you. Hey, guys, you're doing a great job. Thank you for having me and taking the time to talk with me, and I, I look forward to meeting you someday, okay? Yeah, for sure. We hope to see you on the road, man. We'd love to come see a Striper show. So, All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Hey, stay out of trouble, man. All right, we'll try. <laughs> we'll try to. You See too, you man. later. Bye-bye. See you, buddy. Okay, okay Michael. Sweet. Michael, sweet. Man. Top five favorite interviews that Why we've that? ever done. Just I, well, nostalgia just, factor. Well, You're nostalgia, a huge fan. You're the hugest fan. Huge fan. <laughs> and, I mean, think think about it. I, I was a huge fan in the fifth grade. I'm talking to a guy that I never thought I would ever talk to That's until true. I saw him in heaven. And very fun guy to talk to. I wonder very who I would have been a fan of in fifth grade. I can't even think of it. And I, I learned anything. I learned grade. a lot behind the scenes. I had no idea that they had an established band before they were Christians, and that makes a lot of sense of why they had street cred immediately with Hell with the Devil when it blew up. Everybody's just like, oh yeah, these guys are Christians, but they could. You were a fan in fifth grade. Uh, fourth grade, actually. Can you think in fourth, fifth grade, Toby, if you were a fan of anything? Like it would have to uh, be. Well, back you, in the I, day, I, li- I literally or? only listened to like fifties and sixties rock and roll, so it would have been like Elvis Presley. Or but but, like not, guess, but you maybe, weren't a fan. Like think of maybe just something you. It could have been TV, movie. Any, like what would you have been freaked out? Like who would you would have been crazy for you to meet when you were nine? Um, is what what was the host of Truth or Dare? Mark Summers, <laughs> that guy. Of Double Dare, Double Dare, yeah, <laughs> Double Dare. I can't even remember the show. If I, was I thinking maybe just uh, slime, I was thinking, that would have been. I was that thinking Lulu from Hee Haw. Yeah, Hee Haw would have been good, but yeah, Mark Summers from, <laughs> Mark. from Double Dare would have been awesome. Did you picture your family going on Family Double Dare? Like yes. How like I the 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 parents and the families on there were so cool and like you know what I mean. I was like, yeah. my family would be so dumb if we were on. Oh, there. my dad would have hated. You my know dad would have been yelling at me. I wasn't doing good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Like, they would have just been uncomfortable. Like I see those fans, I'm like that's, and I guess that's real. Just Nickelodeon families. But can y'all think I of? Can't imagine can y'all think of three obstacles? Like I remember reaching into the nose and yeah, there was out the a nose one. You had to pull that out, and then there was. Uh, it was kind of like the original physical uh, challenge you mean? kind of thing yeah. at the end. That's what it was. Someone but. said that there's going to be a Nickelodeon channel that does all '90s stuff. That'd like, be fun. That would be cool. Well, throwback is certainly the thing. It surely is. You know what I want to throw back to? Some more truth. Oh, my oh, yeah. gosh. That's what I want to get back to. I want America to stand on truth again instead of all this bullshit. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Toby Morrell. Hey. And I want to bring you something that you've never had before. Okay. Never? I want to stuff you full of truth <laughs> in the best way. All right. <laughs> Whatever, wherever I can find a way to put truth in you, I'm going to put He's it. He's going to do it, Joey. I'm going for you first. Wherever Starting there's a you, wherever there's a hole of untruth, I'm going to fill it full of truth, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your way of saying you're going to pour into me? Some I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to come around you and pour truth into you, my friend. Okay. All right. I thought this was interesting. I stumbled upon this when. Uh, this is from Observer.com, uh, and it's Invisible Boyfriend Helps You Expertly expertly Fake fake Being in a Relationship. I thought this was really interesting. I won't read the whole thing, but uh, just the idea, the first line is, imagine you've got a, which I do, or had, uh, conservative grandparents in the Bible Belt uh, who can't believe you might be gay or lesbian. Instead of trying to justify your single status to your crotchety aunt, even, there's also another option, and it's downloading an invisible boyfriend or girlfriend. It's an app uh, which launched uh, today. Uh, yep, we're for real, the app's uh, founder, uh, 
said they let users pay for a believable social proof that they're in a relationship. They generate everything from photos to text messages, good. text messages to actual voicemails, and all of them are totally fake, but also to be totally realistic. He started it. Uh, the the owner of the business is called Mr. Hammond. He started it after he got divorced, and it was kind of just an idea. But he thought it would just be something to do, and that way he didn't have to worry about people worrying about him not being in a relationship and all this stuff. And I thought it was just really interesting that there's an actual thing that you can do. So, for example, if you're struggling with uh, what telling your parents you're coming out of the closet or whatever, and they and just don't want to go there for yet. Ner- I don't think it's just for that. I think yeah, it's for nerdy nerds. people, too. Nerds. Just nerds. They're like, yeah, I can't talk to girls. But I'll tell, I'm going to tell my – I work for a software company in Seattle. Thanksgiving is coming up. This is September. I'll tell my parents how I'm in this relationship with a girl named Amy. She's so cool. And think about bringing her for Thanksgiving. That'll give her get her off my back. I'll have I'll let them see the pictures. I'll have her post on my Facebook wall, and we'll make the plans to come. And then in October, we'll break up. Late October, going into November, right. we'll break up. Skip the thing, and that'll buy me another six months to not yep, have to right. deal with my parents. It says our inaugural services t- starts at twenty four ninety nine and includes one hundred texts. Ten voicemails and one handwritten note. That is unreal. That is unreal. It's kind of cool, though. Like, imagine there's tons of people I know right now that are single, and their parents are always wanting to set them up and all stuff, and it just creates more pressure. If you just had that, say, yeah, he actually, we met online. He lives here, you know, wherever, and here he is. You know, we're riding back and forth. Oh, if you, how's that going? Ah, It didn't work out. Didn't work out. You know, I'm on, cool, I'm on the prowl again. So you know, it just you're right. It would buy you some more time, yeah. and it would just be whatever. So I, I think it's kind of a cool idea. Joey, you're looking at me. Is there any way that, like, when you think of that sort of fakery, do you think there's any way that someone could convince you that your wife and kids are not true? You've seen Beautiful Mind. Do you think someone right. could ever convince you that Jessica and your kids do not exist? And when we go home to Charleston, we can prove it to you. Yes. Well, I that's Truman that. Show, you, Matrix, Beautiful Mind. It's a common yeah, I think premise. Y'all huh? could, I think y'all could do that because I already am kind of, I'm not a conspiracy theorist like you, but I am very wavering on reality, non-reality, what's real, what's not. And, and is it things that are tricks of the mind? And I was, Like today, just today, I told y'all, I thought a guy was breaking into our car, but it was just his car door was the exact color of our car door. And when he closed the door, I had a, a flip idea where I thought he was in our car and it was totally wrong. So I think I think I could easily be wrong about a lot of stuff. I, 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 let's just say this. I won't be that surprised if I wake up in a hospital tomorrow and I've been in a coma since age 12. <laughs> <laughs> I won't yeah. be that. I won't. I mean, of course, I'll be freaked out like, oh, everything's different than I've known, but I won't be surprised that that actually ended up being true. There, this was an elaborate dream? There's no yeah. way. The only, I mean, there's no, I don't logical, know real. there's no logical way that you could say that this couldn't be a type of dream. Right, right. There's just no way. There's right. not any way that, that that you could prove that sim, maybe it's called simulation theory that this isn't a simulation or a dream. You could wake up tomorrow and be. I mean, you could wake up tomorrow in a bed and be a 12 year old girl in 1600s England and had a premonition of the future, a dream. Like, yeah. right? I dreamed I was in the future. Was this yeah. all this weird stuff? You could wake up on another planet as an alien. You could wake up and you're a computer. I mean, you could, yeah. or you could never wake up. I, you know, it's, it's definitely. There's no way you can. I, of course, the evidence doesn't support that, so I wouldn't suspect it. But you can't. You could not exclude that from being a possibility. All right, guys. Was, that was uh, interesting. I got another one. How, how many do we got? You got time? One or two. Okay. Well, we'll at least do this one, see where it takes us. It's from my good friends at the Huffington Post. Woman charged with castration 
mm-hmm. after fill in the blank, Joey. Charged with castration after being called a bitch. Okay, Matt. <laughs> Char- there's a crime called castration. She's charged with castration after, yes, after catching her husband looking at porn. No, after biting boyfriend's testicles. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but is the, would that not be assault? I mean, how is that a castration? Can't well, let's find out, my friend. A man whose testicles were allegedly bitten during a domestic oh, dispute. I just- in Jacksonville, North Carolina, is recovering. And the Onslow County Sheriff's spokesman told the Huffington Post. Some early reports said the man had suffered either serious or permanent damage, but the spokesman said that the victim required eight stitches and would eventually heal. Um, he literally, his balls went to the wall. There was no, I made that up. There was no actual long-term damage and nothing he couldn't recover from. Uh, Martin Del Vega, who is 51 years old, which once again, as you get older, you do not get better, in my opinion, it, with some things, uh, was charged with malicious malicious castration and assault, causing serious bodily malicious injury. Malicious castration is a crime? I guess so. That's I mean, cool. like, what, but what if it, was, <laughs> it has to be malicious? Is, is there any castration that you don't want that's not malicious? <laughs> like, I think just castration in general is pretty malicious. I don't know if you need that that on there. Uh, if the, you didn't mean to do it, you can get the lesser charge of ball slaughter. What is it as malicious? <laughs> is that an adjective or yeah. an adverb? Adjective. It's an adjective that you do not need. The terms of the charges are probably what generated the stories and pain so far. Basically, Del, Del Vega was also hurt when her boyfriend fought back after she bit him, but she had no major injuries, none that required that uh, hospitalization. So I'm assuming they probably got into a bad fight. Maybe you're right. Maybe cheated on her or something like that. But that is just such – that would have had to have been such a nightmare. She probably – I wonder how did she get down there? Like maybe she was luring him into sex. He doesn't give you the details. No, like she wasn't in a sexual act or he wasn't asleep. Are the only two ways I can imagine. Yeah, you're right. Either one of those ways, but either way, it's just like kind of a a very uh, delicate area to do that to. Could you imagine the? Could you imagine the shift of mood going from she's going to give me (laughs) a blowjob to she just bit my testicles off? Right. That's a huge change in your mood. Yeah. It's like you, you're you're like, man, this is the best day ever, and then all of a sudden, I want to die. I don't. I can't even imagine it. I can't even think about it. It really scares you, doesn't it, buddy? No, it doesn't. I'd never. Uh, my wife doesn't want to do that. She didn't want to bite. What? He. D- <laughs> this guy didn't think so either until it she's the one. Friend. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Priscilla's he the didn't one. marry the one. <laughs> he did. <laughs> He he effed up, man. For he should have sure. prayed about it. He should have prayed about it. All right. Cool, got, man. I'm so glad the news is no, over. I thought we got yeah. one more All right. So we want to thank Lisa Thomas, Alex Piper, Richard Clare, Chris Mitchell, Christian Harris, Justin Smith, Ethan Nunnery, Eric Davis, Christy Cunningham, Nicholas Crotty, Jeffrey Bethel, Jacob Fox, Stephen Nelson, Caleb Hennington, and Ben Jackson. Thank you guys for joining the bc club why did you join the bc club we don't really know we can't answer that question but we thank you for it anyway and if anybody else is interested in finding out more about the bc club go to badchristian.com slash contribute yeah do that and you can join the bc club you can get in that facebook group i was talking about earlier they uh they got a new post in there it's a project that we're working on now where it's called surround joey in prayer but right. we need over 1,000 people to surround Joey. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the biggest prayer chains in the history of the universe. Yes, over 1,000 people are needed. <laughs>